Hello and welcome to the podcast for the 22nd Annual FIRST Conference in Miami, Florida, June 13th through 18th, 2010. This series of interviews highlights some of the key speakers and presenters at this year's event. For more information, please visit the conference site at conference.first.org. We now join our interview in progress. Hello, this is Martin McKay, and today I'm speaking with Jason Larson, who's a cybersecurity researcher at Idaho National Labs. How are you doing today, Jason? Oh, pretty good. Well, you're giving a talk at uh, the first conference in, what, just it's only about a week and a half, two weeks away uh, in Florida this year, and your presentation is the pesky critical infrastructure. What, is, what do you mean like by that, and what exactly was the, the uh, idea behind this presentation? Okay. I often get uh, called on to talk about uh, various chunks of the critical infrastructure and uh, how vulnerable they are to, uh, to cyber attacks. And so uh, uh, since first is, is more of a CERT-focused uh, thing, so I thought I would do a presentation on uh, just kind of the concepts and, uh, and background um, around uh, attacking uh, critical infrastructure and uh, kind of what's real and what's not and what some of the, uh, what some of the current events and current problems are um, with the critical infrastructures. A lot of people say a whole lot about uh, various things, and a lot of times they're right in various ways, but not all the way right and not all the way wrong and that can kind of give a, a bad picture about, uh, about what's actually the real problems with uh, attacking and defending the, uh, the critical infrastructure. Well, let's start with the basics. How are you defining critical infrastructure? What, what is included in critical infrastructure? So if you look kind of at the government's definition, then they, they broke the critical infrastructure into 17 areas um, that uh, were critical for the, uh, uh, the nation to function. Um, so they did, uh, you know, power, water, chemical, um, critical manufacturing, a bunch of other things. Um, so from my definition, I take a narrower def- definition. So my definition is pretty much anything that, uh, that can be hacked uh, that uh, can cause a significant damage to kind of the overall state of the nation. Most of the time uh, when I talk about critical infrastructure, I'm really talking about uh, um, the cybersecurity of process control and SCADA systems. So, uh, um, so your power grid, your chemical manufacturing plants, all those are running uh, run by basically um, computer networks that are part, partly IP-based and partly not. And so uh, when I refer to the critical infrastructure, I usually am talking about um, those computers that are running, um, say, your power grid um, or your water or distributing natural gas so that you can be warm in the winter, those types of things. Uh, so kind of the, the stuff that uh, we need to make life comfortable is really what you're talking about. Right. Um, people uh, kind of have uh, these uh, these doomsday scenarios for a lot of the critical infrastructure, which is one of the um, one of the big problems that we've got. Um, so, like some things we hear um, a lot is if somebody uh, hacked into and uh, caused this uh, this transformer to fail or this particular generator to blow up, then uh, uh, this gen- this generator. Uh, is necessary for the power for all of these people, and these people would be out of power for you know the next six months. Um, and that's not uh, really the case. Probably you can cobble something together that's suboptimal, and it may take you six months to get a replacement or two years to get a replacement. Um, but generally, you can get the critical infrastructure up and running. On the other hand, that's really painful, and nobody wants to go through that. So defending the critical infrastructure is kind of a, a key research area. 
So, I mean, really what we're looking at is is what is needed to do any sort of damage versus uh, what are the ability to do some, some damage. And, you, and it sounds like what you're trying to do is put some, uh, some realistic expectations around that. Um, yes. So I'm just kind of uh, trying to go through uh, uh, some of the current events, um, um, how everybody looks at those and some of the current problems and, uh, um, and at least give my, uh, my point of view for those, which is um, which may not be the, um, the absolutely correct point of view, but it's a hacking critical infrastructure from my point of view. Uh, now, what sort of, of level of person should be coming to your uh, presentation? Uh, what, what sort of uh, foreknowledge do they, do they need to bring to the table with them? So uh, I'm trying to uh, trying to cover um, uh, high level concepts and uh, kind of medium level concepts. So uh, what I'm shying away from is uh, I would I would like to give presentations on um, exactly how uh, how you go about uh, um, extracting uh, say random data from a particular chip and running through the math and the, um, crafting crypto keys and that type of stuff. But we can't really get into that. So uh, this is pretty much a uh, um, high level data. Um, generally, how do control systems work and how are they attacked? Um, and then uh, on the medium level, um, current issues. Um, how are they currently being attacked? What's being what's being successful? Um, covering a bunch of uh, um, smart grid type things. Everybody is talking about the smart grid, and a lot of what they're saying is not entirely correct uh, as far as uh, hacking into uh, to smart meters, um, controlling uh, um, the grid and the number of households. Um, through smart meters, hacking upstream and taking over, you know, wide swaths of the power infrastructure, those types of things. Um, so I'll cover some of the the current issues, um, what the researchers are finding, and uh, um, and what they're getting in there, but not going too much below the weeds on those on exactly how the exploits work um, or uh, or how they move around. Um, so you won't see uh, um, shell code or anything like that, but you may see some. Uh, you'll see some assembly in my. Uh, um, in my presentation as I go through some of the uh, um, looking for firmware rootkits and that type of stuff. Well, now, at, at this point, it sounds like you're, part of what you're saying is that we're not really going to be susceptible to a, a widespread attack sort of thing, but how about something a little bit more subtle like fraud via uh, smart meters or some other sort of uh, infrastructure technology? Is that something that we should be on the, the lookout for over the next six months or a year or five years? Um, actually, if you want to focus on the, uh, the the smart meters for a minute, then uh, um, there exists the potential for uh, for widespread uh, widespread damage. Um, so most of the people, when they look at say the the payload for say a smart meter worm or something like that, the, the first thing they always gravitate to is the uh, the remote disconnect. Um, so a certain percentage of your meters now actually have a um, mechanism in there to turn your bill off. So if you don't pay your bill, um, then they can turn the power off to your house. So mostly remote disconnected meters in the United States are stuck into um, to, uh, uh, apartment buildings and low rent areas. Those are places where they've got to do a truck roll and uh, connect and disconnect power often. And so they, you can sit there and turn them, uh, turn them on and off. But right now in the U.S., only about 5% of the deployed meter base is uh, remote disconnect meters. So if you do uh, write, you know, um, the, the the great power meter worm and take over the whole uh, um, the whole infrastructure, then you can uh, only turn off about five percent of them directly. But there are a lot of other interesting payloads that you can stick on to to uh, um, smart meters. One is that a lot of the smart meters, the radios on them, are are more or less software defined. 
um, but they're tunable over a wide wide frequency. So you can use those frequencies then to jam or attack other frequencies. So a lot of people right now are worried about uh, people uh, doing various uh, privacy invasion type things, figuring out you know when you're cooking and when you're playing video games and those types of um, those types of things. It sounds like the infrastructure. It's it's more about the unexpected potential of, of these devices to do things than it is the actual just the abuse of their intended purposes. It is a kind. It is kind of a funky uh, a funky place right now. So one of the things you can say about uh, about those is it going to get funkier as time goes on. The AMI systems in the uh, in the smart uh, the smart grid uh, were intended to just go out and and. Uh, um, look at your power and that type of stuff. Um, but uh, as soon as they started rolling it out, before they even really started rolling it out, everybody wants to piggyback on top of it. So right now, the smart meter on the side of your house does, just doesn't carry your usage information. Um, it also uh, serves as a, a nexus for um, your water meter and your your uh, your gas meter and that type of stuff, but also uh, a lot of other things. Um, for example, we've seen things like parking meters. So the parking meter on the street outside your house may talk to the meter on the side of your house to take a credit card information and then run it all the way back up to utility, which hands it off to a verifier and then allows you to park on the street. In that case, you've got PII data flowing over, etc. Um, there's already a draft spec of monitoring uh, medical devices over over smart meters, um, which I think is a terrible idea, but uh, I think may, uh, may show up sooner than we expect it to. So one of the things you can say about the future is that uh, on the smart uh, meters, is that the smart meters uh, will be used for more and more and will become a funkier place um, than just uh, reading um, you know, how much power you've used during the day. So what are some of the other technologies you'll be talking about during your talk? So I was going to go into uh, some of the cracks, uh, common cracks on the, uh, the chips right now. Um, people are actually finding bugs in the, the actual silicon used in the chips uh, to uh, power the, uh, the smart uh, uh, infrastructure. I'm going to talk about a little bit about uh, um, about what people are saying about uh, um, smart grids and that type of stuff, and then cover some of the uh, um, some of the technologies. For example, uh, we have uh, uh, handheld devices now that can uh, that can directly control part of, say, a chemical plant, and uh, so it's just a little iPhone-like device. You can walk around and turn pumps on and off and that type of stuff. We've got those types of security issues that uh, that we'll go through, and then. Uh, I'll probably end up my uh, presentation talking about the forensics of these devices. As we get all these new devices everywhere, um, one of the things we don't have right now is any way to do good forensics on the devices. So uh, if somebody walks up to you and says, I think a hacker is on my meter on my house. Here's the meter off the side of my house. Tell me if there's a hacker there. We don't have the uh, the tools and the infrastructure to start looking at that uh, um, that device and figuring out if somebody really is there, uh, making your power double what it's supposed to be or half what it's supposed to be or turning your power off at 3 o'clock in the morning when they're not supposed to be. Um, we don't really have any infrastructure for that. Um, so I'll spend some time talking about the realities of forensics on these devices and uh, how we might go about uh, making the forensics possible um, in time frames that are actually doable uh, to the responders. <laughs> Oh, great! So my the the smart grid on the side of my house has no uh, no uh, log monitoring and no backup of the logs. So if something does go wrong, it's my word against the uh, the PG&E or whoever the power company is. Yes, um, and right now the the amount of labor to just go look at a single meter might be measured in months. Um, so if uh, if you say, well, I think some evil person has curled up on my meter. Um, 
and uh, and you get somebody to believe you, and you have some evidence for that. Um, the actual amount of labor it would take to go in there, get the firmware, and reverse engineer it is uh, is measured in in weeks to months, um, which is not doable over the uh, over the long haul. If you have you know if you've got uh, you know 10 million customers, X percentage of those um, are going to have events that might be suspicious over over time. So we can't spend months per event to go actually go look at it. So we need to find a a better solution uh, to going in there and seeing if anybody's in there playing. Well, it sounds going to be like it's going to be a very interesting talk, Jason. Uh, are there any talks that you're going to be uh, planning on going seeing yourself? Um, oh, I was uh, I was going to go hit the um, FX your your other uh, your other networks one, uh, but uh, um, but other than that, I hadn't uh, hadn't planned out my day yet. So I imagine I should do that before I show up. <laughs> it probably would be a good idea. I uh, look forward to, to meeting you face to face in Miami in a couple weeks, Jason. And uh, again, thanks to Jason Larson from the uh, Idaho National Laboratory for joining me today on the podcast. Thanks, Jason. Also, thank you. You've been listening to the podcast for the 22nd Annual First Conference in Miami, Florida, June 13th through 18th, 2010. Please visit the conference site at conference.first.org. For more information at me, about me, you can also visit www.mckeay.net. Thank you and have a good day. Initiating shutdown sequence.